Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Saturday get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Let's mix some NBA action in, because we've got two solid weeks under our belt now, and I haven't had the chance to talk to one of my favorites when it comes to covering the NBA on Moss. He does so for Bleacher Report. Mr. Howard Beck joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. How you doing, Howard? I'm doing great, Jody Mack. How are you? Good. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for coming on. As I said, uh, almost two full weeks under our belt now. What's been the best thing about the first two weeks in the NBA? I mean, that it's back, that's, that's good enough. Um, I think, you know, getting to see some of the early returns uh, after this in- incredible, like, earth-shaking summer of superstar movement, that's been fascinating. Watching, the, you know, seeing, first of all, let's start with the Lakers, seeing LeBron and AD together being exactly as spectacular, as uh, potent as we thought they might be, it's fun to see. You don't have to be a Laker fan to enjoy that. These are two of the best players in the world. And it's just nice also to see LeBron kind of rejuvenated and back to the form that you, you, know, you knew he could be at after I think a lot of people kind of wrote him off after last season. So they've been fun seeing the Clippers get off to this strong start with, with Paul George still not even playing yet has been uh, really interesting to see. Um, and, you know, the Rockets, obviously some bumps with their new superstar duo. We'll see how that pans out. You know, I'm not one to jump to conclusions after two weeks of the season for, for anybody. But I think, you know, generally speaking, we've just had a, a lot of really entertaining stuff. The, the, the Luka doncic Kristaps porzingis partnership seems to be off to a great start, and the, the Mavericks are kind of revived. So it's been, uh, you know, there's been no shortage of, of fun storylines to start the season. One of the things that's been fun for me, and see if you're on the same page with me on this one, um, I, I like to say I've done this long enough that I'm smart enough to know don't overreact to something on the short term. Well, between you and I, watching the Lakers lose opening night and then watch the Celtics get beat by the Sixers the second night, I kind of said, uh-oh, on both. I didn't throw my hands up and go, oh, shoot, neither one of these teams is going to be good. Well, neither one has lost since. Lakers got beat opening night. Celtics couldn't throw the ball in the ocean against the Sixers, and they ripped off between them 13 straight victories in a row. Are we turning back the clock to 1985 or whatever you, you want to pick at the Lakers and the Celtics high, high water, water marks? I mean, you could turn it back only to 2008, Jody, if you wanted to. I mean... You know, it's, it hasn't been that long since we had Lakers Celtics. Yeah, I'm tr- I was trying to go bird <laughs> magic off the top of my head. My bad. Oh, I, yeah, I, listen, you know, you you want to play the classic hits? Who am I? To, uh, <laughs> who am I to criticize? I'm just saying, you know, periodically this thing revives itself. Um, look, it, it, it's possible. I, you know, a year ago at this time, I like a lot of people was uh, probably irrationally exuberant about the Celtics prospects with uh, Kyrie and Gordon Hayward coming back to full strength and playing with that young crew with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier. And, and I, I thought that was a going to be a great team. I thought they were a true contender in the East. Um, I was not the only one who, uh, you know, uh, later in the season had to go, oh, I, I guess I guess we overestimated these guys. You know, obviously, you know, chemistry issues, youth issues, all kinds of things that dogged the Celtics last year. 
But the trade out of, of Kyrie and maybe some of the chemistry issues that were uh, attached to him, and I don't think it's entirely on him, but bringing in a guy like Kemba, um, giving the young guys more room to operate again because there isn't a ball dominant Kyrie there. And on top of it, and this was predictable to an extent, it's only natural that Gordon Hayward would look that much better in November of 2019 than he was going to in 2018 after a year out. Um, it takes a long time to come back. We saw it with Paul George. We've seen it with other guys over the years. And if Gordon Hayward is back to himself, to the guy we saw in Utah all those years, plus the youth coming up a little bit and better, and better chemistry, yeah, Celtics could be a contender in the East. I mean, I, I think we've all decided preseason that it's about Milwaukee and Philly, and that's justifiable. But there's still a possibility of other teams getting into that uh, mix. And, and I think Boston has, absolutely has that potential. And look, we already knew the Lakers were in that contention in the West. So I agree with you. I think Gordon Haywood is a key. Haven't watched a bunch of Celtic games so far. Yes, he has returned to his uh, Utah form. And if that's the case, the Celtics can be darn good. Uh, you mentioned the AD and LeBron combo out in L.A., and they have been phenomenal. Um, but you do have to win as a team if Gordon Haywood is the key in uh, Boston and above and beyond their rook- their youngsters and everything else, who's helping LeBron and Anthony Davis in L.A.? Is it more coaching or is it more the other parts around their superstars? Well, as long as LeBron and A.D. are healthy, and it's a, you know, a reasonable if because A.D.'s got an injury history, LeBron is in his 17th season, so there's going to be those concerns. As long as those two are healthy, because they are so good and they're so dynamic together and they fit so perfectly together, you don't necessarily have to have a third guy. Like it's great that the Clippers have Lou Williams. And it's one of the reasons why I had the Clippers ahead of the Lakers in my preseason projections is that with Paul George or Kawhi Leonard are out or are off on a given night or just out of sorts, Lou Williams can drop 25, 30 anytime. And the Lakers don't have that guy. The hope is that Kyle Kuzma maybe becomes that guy. And maybe I'm not certain that that's who he is. Um, but aside from that, you know, it's, it's a lot of just like very good role players who will play well off of LeBron and AD. So the real key for the Lakers is just those two guys being at their peak at their maximum. And anytime they're out there, that means that Danny Green's going to get a bunch of open shots and he'll be great at, you know, you know, doing what he does. Um, Rajon Rondo will bring a little bit more playmaking. Kuzma will do his thing. Like they've got good, solid role players. I just don't think they have that one guy who you can turn to and say, listen, bail us out tonight because LeBron is taking a night off. Speaking of taking a night off, we're talking to Howard Beck, who never takes a night off, but that is the next topic I want to get into him. He a Bleacher Report here with us on CBS Sports Radio. Load management. We now have a term, and you and I have both been watching the NBA for a long time, and over the last six, seven years, guys have taken days off. It was just a rest day or a maintenance day. But now we have a definitive term that describes it, load management. And it's a big deal in the NBA. It's a big deal with the media. It's a big deal with the fans because they pay big dollars to go see guys and they never know if they're going to play or not. It could be a load management day. The fine that they dropped on Doc Rivers for being honest this week I thought was ludicrous and ridiculous. It just tells you that the NBA is taking this very seriously, and they're trying to put a uh, an all-important face on it for the fans' sake. 
how big a deal is this? Should we be fretting over it? Should we be damn pissed about it? Uh, it is what it is, and I don't know that it's going to change or it's going to go away anytime soon, but uh, just the way that everyone is trying to deal with it befuddles me at times and ticks me off at others. How should I be feeling about load management? I'm not going to tell anybody how they should feel about it. I think that this is one of the trickiest issues for the NBA to navigate in, in the modern era here because the league under Adam Silver in particular during his tenure, one of the hallmarks has been player care, player welfare. They have gone to great lengths to make the schedule less burdensome, less taxing, eliminating as many back-to-backs as possible, eliminating four games and five nights entirely. I think they've eliminated five and six seven entirely also and, and minimize six and eight or whatever it was. There's, you know, all these tailoring uh, efforts they've made to make the schedule less onerous because there is science to suggest strongly that fatigue leads to injuries. Fatigue also leads to de- uh, just degraded play. So if you're playing on the second night of a back-to-back and if you're playing, you know, a, a fourth game in five nights as they used to, you're just not as good. So the product isn't as good. So it is in the NBA's interest as well as the player's interest to have the ability to rest more often. And if that means load management, rest, whatever people want to call it, then that's just, uh, you know, smart, modern day thinking about how to uh, deal with these, these elite athletes who you've invested tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in. It's just, it's just prudent. I don't have a problem with the philosophy behind it. The other side of it, of course, is that, okay, now Kawhi Leonard takes a game off and the world comes apart because people say, well, if he's healthy, he shouldn't be taking the night off. And, you know, they did X, Y, Z back in the day. And this was a national game. Or these fans only get to see this team come through once per season. And those are all fair things to raise. And it's a tough balancing act. And I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer on this, to be honest. I just know that... um you know, I'm never going to, to blame a player or a team for looking out for their health or for trying to extend their careers or for trying to have them at their physical peak in April, May, June, as opposed to worrying about one game in December or January. I, I, I can't fault them for that. But there is a potential downside to it. And I think we're still in the early stages of this. This has only been a more a recent phenomenon. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I don't like the way the NBA dealt with the Clippers the other night because I think they were kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth saying the Clippers followed the rules. Nevertheless, we're going to find Doc Rivers um, for actually saying what was probably closer to the truth, that it was just a rest night. But, you know, um, as I say, the, the, this is all still new and they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, and I hope uh, they've got an owner who's got a couple dollars. I hope he's writing Doc Rivers checks for him because (laughs) they did the same thing to Doc last year. He's doing work for the ESPN and talking about the NBA, and God forbid that he compares Kawhi Leonard to Michael Jordan. Oh, that's a fine tampering. He's going to be a free agent. That was silly, too. And Somehow Doc gets his his tongue gets him in trouble more than his actions on the bench. Uh, Howard Beck from Bleacher Report, I guess here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Another team off to a good start. Pleasant surprise, I got to say. Toronto Raptors, your defending champions, at 6-2 out of the gate. They've got some injury issues now. Larry's got a bad thumb and Ibaka's got an ankle, but they have gotten off to a great start, and uh, Pascal Siakam has been phenomenal. Has he already played himself into the top 20 players in the NBA, given the, the spotlight and the chance to shine with Kawhi leaving that team? If he has, can he play himself into the top 10 by the end of the year? 
Ooh, that's a fun question. Um, I mean, look, I, I think by a lot of people's preseason uh, assessments, he was already breaking the top 20, 25, wherever you want to draw the line. He was right in there. And, you know, look, if you had to extend it to 30 and he's in the top 30, I mean, you start to have very minute differences between those guys from 20 to 30 anyway and starts to depend on their role and, you know, their their skill set, their position, whatever. Um, he's in there. You forget forget where he actually, you know, which spot you want to slot him into. He's up there. He is a guy you can build a team around, and we're seeing what the Raptors are, can do with him as more of the focal point now. And yes, they will have some injury issues, or they already do, and they will have some age issues because of Lowry and Ibaka and Gasol, the miles that are on those guys. But they do have some young guys in, in Ananobi and Van Vliet. It, it's a it's a good mix. And I'm not surprised they're off to a strong start. I thought that this would be top four, five, six in the East, somewhere in that range for the Raptors, because even without Kawhi, there's just a really strong returning core there. And, you know, uh, I, I think the Raptors are a strong playoff team as constructed. The question for them is whether they stay as constructed, because Masai Ujiri has a, a tough decision to make. At some point, they need to pivot more toward the future. They do have to decide what to do about their older guys because at the trade deadline, somebody might really want Gasol or Ibaka or even Kyle Lowry. And I know they extended him, but I don't think they extended him because it was a, a, a thought of, well, we're going to keep him here till he retires. I think it was a combination of, of factors, including when he's tied up for another year or two, it, it means uh, that a team trying to acquire Kyle Lowry knows that they're not acquiring him just for a couple of months. They can have him for another season after that. So those guys have, will have value, and the Raptors will have to decide whether they are trying to play this season as defending champions who want to make a strong playoff run or as a team that's now between eras and needs to start to pivot toward the future. We're talking to uh, Howard back from Bleacher Report here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, so the uh, defending champions might not be the favorites, but they look like a playoff team in the East. Can't say the same for the Western Conference uh, defending champions. The Warriors, because of injuries, because of defections, because of some bad luck, are off to a pretty horrific start. Uh, when Steph Curry got hurt, someone asked their owner if this could become a rebuilding-slash-tanking season, and he said, I won't even answer that question, which was the answer I wanted to hear, but I don't know if it was the answer he should have given. And I know it's early, and we got a long way to go before the trade deadline, but if the Warriors are 10 and 25 uh, midway through the season or 12 and uh, 38, whatever you want to call it, uh, are they going to move a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who only put up 50-something last night in a loss? Uh, do they say, yes, discretion is the pe- uh, better part of valor? Five straight championship appearances. It's not happening this year. Let's start the motion to see if we can get five more in a row somewhere down the line. Well, I'm not surprised that the Warriors were struggling out of the gate. And obviously Steph Curry's injury kind of makes this all a moot discussion anyway. You know, the will they or won't they make the playoffs? How good really are they? Um, But I didn't think they were going to be that good anyway because the drop-off from Steph Curry and Draymond Green and to an extent D'Angelo Russell to the rest of that roster where the drop-off was just so, so steep. So many guys with minimal NBA experience, guys who wouldn't be starters anywhere, much less on a, a team that's a five-time defending Western Conference champion. This is just a, 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 a tough road that they were going to have regardless. And I think Curry's injury at least gives them some clarity that this season is not about making the playoffs. They can just give up the ghost. Don't rush back, Clay. Don't expect Steph to save anything. 
Um, just, you know, see what you've got in your young guys. See what, you know, uh, Poole and Pascal and these guys can give you. See what kind of future they have. And, yeah, test the waters on D'Angelo Russell because I think getting him in that sign-and-trade with uh, in the Kevin Durant deal was always about multiple things. To an extent, try to take some of the, the workload off of Steph Curry, get yourself another playmaker, another uh, initiator to, so that you don't burn out Steph Curry in what's kind of a transition year. Um, but also acquire him as, a, as an asset, as a guy who you can flip later to a team that really needs a starting point guard. And whether that's Minnesota, who he seriously considered signing with before, or someone else, um, it, it, could, it would make a lot of sense. You can probably get a nice return for him and rebuild that supporting cast because everybody focused so much on Durant leaving, but they lost Iguodala and they lost Sean Livingston and they just were gutted at their, you know, in, in the core of, of that, that team, that roster. They need to rebuild in multiple places. It's not about getting another star right now. I think it's about getting your current stars healthy so that when you come back in fall of 2020, you've got a, a vibrant Steph Curry and Clay Thompson together again, Draymond Green back to who he is, that's a playoff team right there alone. And then if you flip D'Angelo Russell for some help on the wings, you're back in business. All right. And the last thing, Howard, I don't know if you've seen this. This story broke uh, today, last couple hours or whatever. And I don't know how serious this is. I don't know even how to uh, address this and or deal with this. Dion Waiters getting off a plane with the Heat today uh, was passed out in the plane when they tried to get him up. He had some kind of seizure, and I did, and uh, this was uh, an article I read just before we started this interview, overdosed on gummies. Have you seen or heard this story yet of uh, Dion Waiters overdosing on gummies? What kind of gummies I, are we talking about? I mean, I, I, I could only speculate, and I wouldn't want to speculate at this point since there's so little information out there, and I, I'm... Not, I have no insight whatsoever into this, so okay, I, it would it would be irresponsible for me to speculate. I, I I hope he's okay. Good. You don't know. I don't know. I'm going to try and find out more about this too. Uh, good stuff, uh, Howard. Whenever you come on, uh, know we're getting the inside from the NBA. Thanks much. You know we'll talk to you plenty over the course of the th- season. Enjoy watching some hoops tonight. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Jody Mack. Look forward to the next time. My pleasure. That's Howard Beck from Bleacher Report, uh, NBA insider extraordinaire, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, we'll get the phones reopened. 855-212-4227. Saturday get-together right here on CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.